Hey, everybody. October's Book Club. This is a good one. We read Jeannie Gaffigan's book, When Life Gives You Pears. Jeannie uh, had a mass in her brain. How scary is that? Luckily, it was benign, was removed, and she wrote about the process, uh, uh, the diagnosis through recovery, and she's still going through recovery. It was, a, it was a good read, and we discuss. I hope you enjoy the discussion and are inspired to maybe buy the book. If you are in a medical crisis or you have a family member in a medical crisis, I think it might be helpful just to kind of get different perspectives. Um, luckily, her medical crisis ended up being um, successfully handled. Hopefully, if you're in such a state, yours will be as well. So also, Bert and I have a BertCast where we talk to Jeannie about this book. So if you want, um, you can listen to the BertCast this week, which is also about this book with Jeannie Gafkin. So book club, when life gives you pears, I hope you enjoy. Look at your notes. I'm so glad you took notes. (laughs) Me too. I'm so glad because... That's why I was like, I'm going back for these because it's like two pages and I didn't have it at my You're impressive. I know. You are what Bert calls an excellent lab partner. Very much so. (laughs) Yes. You were were pulling the team, at least my team. Um, I like your shoes. Those are cute. Oh, thank you. Are they Tom's? Tom's? Yeah. Yeah. They're cute though. As I widen my eyes because I'm like, glasses, what are they? (laughs) 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 Look ridiculous. What are they? Tom's. Got it. Got it, got it. Are we recording? Disco balls. Ha. (laughs) Book club. Book club. We're back. We're back, bitches. Okay. (laughs) This one is When Life Gives You Pears. Did your dog eat that one? My puppy might have enjoyed it a lot. (laughs) It it tasted delicious. Both sides (laughs) tasted amazing to Izzy. So Izzy gives it two paws up. Sweet. Uh, But this is uh, Jeannie Gafkin's book. Uh, when Life Gives You Pears. I think it came out October 1st and it's available wherever you buy books. But um, we're going to talk about it. Let's talk about it. So Jeannie had brain cancer or a tumor in her brain. Tumor. I'm not right. sure it was, it was can was it cancerous? I don't think it was. I don't believe it was cancer. So. It was benign. Yeah. Um, and it was a, like a, shaped like a pear and really large. And um, she just kept, trucking on with life right not paying attention to the to the fact that she had lost hearing in one ear and couldn't walk in high heels anymore and which i think is so relatable right and i mean she's a mom of five but like for a mom (laughs) any amount of kids i think it's really relatable completely because kathy some people yes. in this room haven't been to the when, doctor in years. That's true, but I have not lost hearing either. I'm just saying. As far as you know. I am not ignoring. What? I'm sorry, what? As far as you know. So when was the last time you went to the doctor? I have not had anything that I'm ignoring. When was the last time you went to the doctor for physical? I'm sorry. Aren't we talking about a book today? I'm just asking. 
Just curious. It's been a while. It like, has like been a, a long time. More than this five years? This book is a very good reminder. <laughs> yes. More she's, than five years. More than really five years? slick. More than 10 years? No. Okay. So seven. Seven and change. Exactly. Ah, I went when I, was, when I turned 40. That was the last time I went. So now everyone knows I'm 47. Thanks, Leanne. You're welcome. Um, well, I'm 49. So there. Thank um, you. <laughs> you need to rectify that. Um, it is definitely a really good reminder. You mm-hmm. know, the fact that I play it off, like, I don't have anything wrong with me. And I really don't. Like, right. nothing is wrong. I, I'm very healthy. However, that's really naive. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the things from this book. Um, yes, she did ignore some pretty big signs yeah. of things that were actually medically wrong with her. Like, the fact that she literally lost hearing. Yep. That's not something you ignore for several years. I don't think but, she ignored it. I think she didn't notice it, right? I think she just didn't notice yeah. it until she was I on that flight. I think she noticed and went, hey. it and was like, oh, that's interesting, but like sort of played it off. Like, yeah. oh, it's something else. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I think that also that sort of thing, like I'm trying to think of a good um, analogy, but I know there's been things recently when it's like, you know, oh, I know it was like the water pressure in our shower. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was decreasing ever so slightly over the months and until we had like no water pressure and I just thought oh this crappy shower we never have any water pressure and then the plumber came and fixed it and it was like oh my god we're like it, it, like, it was too much for the girls right? it was like a storm right. yeah and like I feel like that could help with that could that could happen with hearing like it just sort of goes down over a time little bit, and it, a little bit thank you so much Thanks, babe. Thank you. You're just hanging out. Flying the wall. <laughs> you just crashing. What, what were you saying? What were you saying? That was so funny. Was so funny. She was talking about the water pressure in her shower. Oh, oh my god! I just, <laughs> I just had a legit theory about water pressure the other day. That that the haves and the haves nots. You know, like uh, people always want to be. You mean re- Oprah's TV show? Is that a, is that a TV show? Yeah. You look great. Did you put makeup on? Just lip gloss. Um. God. Uh. <laughs> The, that poor people want to be rich, but they don't know that what they don't know, not to put, oh, this is a horrible premise. Oh my God. I can't believe it's coming out of my mouth. But when you're, when you're rich, you renovate a house, you have money to buy a new house, but the water pressure laws have changed. And so poor people have the best water pressure around the world without a doubt, where rich people are, are literally just showering in small urine streams. Low flow. Low flow. Low flow sucks. I was like, well, I thought suffer. when. Yeah, when, <laughs> how they suffer. Wow, I really just I just got cancel cultured. I just alienated everyone. The guy's like, Yeah, man, thanks. Thanks a lot, man. I'm having a hard time with healthcare, but at least my water pressure is through the roof. Can't buy fresh produce, but right. I got a good shower. All my, all I, my food has hormones in it, but goddamn it, my balls are clean. Yeah, you pretty much yeah, canceled yourself out there, dude. All right, I'm gonna go to the YMCA. I'm gonna run. Okay. Bye. Me? Yeah. I'm not a bear. I'm a bunny. It's one bear, one bitch, one cave. We've. (laughs) uh, How about one bear, one bunny? Uh, Terrified, shaking in the corner. Okay, let's. Well, can we talk about this later? I I don't know. What's your day look like? I have no idea. I don't even have my phone to look at my calendar. He's. I have my phone. That doesn't help. It was my calendar on your phone. He definitely needs an answer. What time? Uh, he said he's free all day. He can do whenever. Well, we have a four o'clock meeting. That's what I told him. And we have to pick up Georgia from school at four o'clock from what? the bus stop. We have to pick up Georgia when? At four o'clock at the bus stop. Isla's walking home from school. We have a four o'clock meeting. Yeah. 
Are you going to approve the fourth? I didn't know I was in the meeting. I'm not sure this is interesting for a podcast. Sorry, we may have to just cut all this out. No, 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 no. This is, um, people love this. See, let me tell you something. You're not an OG <laughs> podcast fan, and I am. These are the parts of a podcast that made it fucking fascinating for me. There's a thing. This is for only anyone who's a real podcast listener. Rogan used to have a landline in his house that would ring randomly. <laughs> That was my favorite part of the show. So, yes. <laughs> I was, he, yeah, because he'd, he'd yeah, get a very he real reaction. It? He'd be like, God damn it, I got I to gotta get rid of this fucking landline. <laughs> and I used to make me giggle. I was like, if I find that number out, I'm going to call it every time he's broadcasting. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you want to try? Do you think you could do? Can you do later tonight? Like two to three. Two to three? Yeah. I'll reach out and see if we can do two to three. I think. I don't know what's on my calendar. But maybe if you go and look on my phone and see if I have anything from 1 30 to 3 30 this is an insight to organize leanne this is go a- look on my phone it's on the kitchen island. that's another podcast two to three right know, look right. at 1 30 to 3 30 because it takes half hour to get there i'll give you a thumbs up if it happens okay i don't need to know don't okay. come back i love you guys <laughs> love you bye thank you you know, a lot of people complain that he interrupts my podcast, and I ha- don't have the heart I to tell him. Why. I don't have the heart to tell him because it's he's not that just... he interrupts; it's that he takes over. Yeah, I think it's maybe both. Uh-huh. Uh, but a lot of people email me and like, please tell Bert this is your podcast and to stay out of it. And we don't want to hear from him. If we want to hear from him, we'll watch the we'll Bertcast. But I just don't have the heart to tell him because he gets so excited. You know. He loves the ladies in my life. He loves every lady in my life. So I think he just gets so excited when he's off the road to see anybody that he loves to see. (laughs) So he just kind of comes in and pushes in. So sorry, everybody who is listening. He does deficit fund this podcast, so I can't really completely (laughs) kick him out. It is his mic and his tech. And his camera. Anyway, that's really a, a good analogy going back to what you were saying about right. the drippy faucet that over time gets terrible. And then when it's fixed, you're like, holy cow. Right. I didn't realize how bad it was before. Exactly. I didn't mm-hmm. realize. I know my dad was just talking to me about the same kind of analogy. He said he had a friend who got who said the best gift he's ever received in his entire life was hearing aids. That he had no mm. idea his hearing had diminished mm. until he got a hearing aid. And he was like, oh, my God, I had been missing so many just subtle wow. sounds of life that were gone. And then I guess they, someone got him, his kids or somebody got him hearing aids for his birthday or something. And he was like, it was a whole new world. Yeah. It was the best gift. I think people feel like see, that with glasses, too, sometimes that it's like they're like, you know, well, I can see because you associate like blindness, or like loss of sight with like blindness, like yeah. dark black. You do not see anything. And so when you're like seeing things and you don't realize that you're not seeing the detail that you used to see in the colors right. and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's very true. And because it just goes gradually is unless you have an injury or something and it's sudden, I would imagine it would be just not noticeable so much but anyway um it was a big uh reminder to pay Uh attention to be more mindful of yourself we all get in this rut of caring for other people like the example of my husband coming in and going can you take care of my (laughs) podcast today unexpected it happens all the time um what do you think about the what do i mean what what else what did you think about this book i think it is right in line with all of the books that we've been reading lately, which are about resiliency. Like, I feel like they're all about resilience, whether it's, um, you know, nonfiction, 
um, self-help to, to help our, teach our kids resilience um, or made, um, you know, econo- economic disadvantage or this. I mean, she was, she had to be really resilient, but so did her family. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a lot to overcome, right? Because her recovery was very long. Mm-hmm, it, was, yeah. it sounds like, in fact, I think it's still going on to some extent. She, I know when she was out here podcasting with me and Bert, she had just, I think, seen somebody about her voice. I think one of her vocal cords is still frozen, which was a, a you know, wow. a side effect of very minor nerve damage from this brain surgery. But still, oh yeah, it's still, it's you still know, big. It would be it's huge. Like literally, I feel like she lost her voice. I feel like that's why she wrote this book. She lost her voice, and she felt like she needed to get it back a right. little bit. That's a um, good way of looking at that. You know, yeah, I, she literally could not communicate, couldn't speak no. for however long, four weeks or whatever it was before she, you know, that's, that's massive. Yeah. You know, and not being I able can't... to swallow. Yeah. Oh, I can't. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is insane. I don't know how she dealt with that. That's crazy. No, I don't either. Yeah. So apparently the surgery, mm-hmm. the pear shaped um, mass was next to her spinal cord and pushing it to the side. And then obviously some nerves were kind of enmeshed in the growth. So when they pulled the growth out, they had to do some nerve, delicate nerve um, surgery as well. And there were some side effects. And one of them is she had to relearn how to swallow because her swallow obviously is an autonomic. It's um, something that happens automatically. You don't think swallow now. I think that happens. And that was also affected by, because she was intubated. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that I know this from our experience in the NICU um, that when Vivian was intubated um, it means having a breathing tube down your throat. Uh And so you, I mean that, that muscle sort of atrophies in a way that, you -hmm. you know, because you're not, you can't swallow the tube down and it's sitting in there and it's painful. And Mm. when it comes out, it's painful. And um, so that was a big focus for, my baby in the the hospital was learning to swallow mm. um, again, and for a lot of a lot of babies, but a lot of elderly people, they're like at different times, and and obviously different surgeries. But um, the swallowing is um, is a big issue with a lot of different uh, illnesses, and the inability to swallow properly yeah. can cause you to put to swallow things into your lungs. Yes, right, and aspirate. Is yes, that the right word? Aspirate. And and she got pneumonia from it. Yeah. And I was right. terribly, terribly sick. And I can't imagine being separated from my kids in such a vulnerable yeah. state and being in intensive care for so long and not being and not able seeing them. Not seeing them. Yeah. And I would feel I would feel so burdensome on everybody. You know, I just put myself in her position and I could see myself going, No, 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 go home. Everybody go home. Go home. Right. Don't take care of me. I'm good. I'm good. Let the staff take care of me. You go on with yourself. But that's really not good. That's not healthy. You Yeah. It was Jim handled it brilliantly, I think, by scheduling people to be there mm-hmm. all the time with her so she was never alone. That was really, really great. Um sounds like he was a, a champ for the most part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In this process. I'm not sure Bert would be as champion-like. <laughs> I'm afraid he would not handle you know, this she quite said as something. Well. I, I took copious notes, but um, uh, I'm going to have to find it. But um, it was something about how Jim was, how their roles were forced to be reversed mm-hmm. and that she is such an uber-organized together person who really keeps the ship 
running and that enforcing the role reversal um oh it was a good it's a good quote keep talking i'll find it <laughs> well i can't imagine what the role reversal would be like in my house since uh, i went to vietnam for 10 days and isla brought a bag of rice to school for lunch so i, I can't imagine yeah, what would happen but that but, was okay, but five. maybe that was day one though you know, or maybe that was, was day one of yeah. the three he was responsible for of the 10 I was gone. But okay, devil's advocate, they were happy and healthy. Yeah, they when were. When you got home. Yeah. That's right? true. So granted, it was not done the way you would have run the household. No. Okay, this, is, this is one of the ones yes. that I'm thinking. When I was recovering at home, I saw that my having been the alpha controller was actually stealing the power from my family oh, yeah. and preventing them from blossoming into the masters of their own lives. I'd been overwatering the garden. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, go ahead. Sorry. No, I didn't mean go to ahead. That's you. it. I was going to say, I feel like that's about every other book or whatever I personally have been reading lately about like overparenting, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the ultimate, yeah. like you don't allow your children to step up and be who they really are and grow. And it's terrible that it takes that. And I think that was one of the big messages is like, don't let something like this, you know, um, a cause you to realize that you are overparenting. Or yeah, whatever, learn it before. You know? yeah. Learn from my mistake. Yes, thank yeah. you. I yeah. felt like the whole message of the book, in a lot of ways, was mm-hmm. you can survive. Yep. At, yeah. At people, you persevere and learn from my mistakes. Don't ignore right. symptoms that you don't understand. Take care of yourself. Prioritize yourself, and let go Stop of and control. Smell the roses, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Let go. She, she just said. I completely understood her perspective. I with I only have two kids and I feel like I'm constantly at the orthodontist, at a practice, oh, yeah. at a play. And and the last thing you want to do is go, no, I need to go to the doctor now because A, who wants to go to right. the freaking doctor ever? Yeah. Never. But then you don't want to spend the half a day it takes for you to do that. I don't want to do that either. But you know, I I do. So I do take care of myself in that way. But I, I completely understood her perspective. I didn't when my kids were younger. I mean, mm-hmm. I went like four years, five years without going to the dentist because I was like, I don't freaking have. Yeah, I think I did yeah. the same thing when they were little. I don't have yeah. that. Right. Yeah. So but you 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 have to. You know, yeah. I guess you have to organize it. You have to schedule it on your health and wellness <laughs> day, which is Wednesday for me. And we'll talk about that next week. But um, but yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was a good takeaway, too, mm-hmm. is to not forget yourself, even if it yeah. is really hard. And even if you've piled all these other things on top of you, not to forget yourself. Um, what a strong woman she is. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really strong. What a scary situation. Have you ever had a health scare like this? Anybody? Uh, I mean, um, I related to it from when I was on bed rest um, and then Vivian was premature. And so I I was only in the hospital for a week (laughs) with that. I didn't know you were on bed rest. Um, Yeah. How long were you on bed rest? Um, Four days before she was born. Um, Okay. When she was born 10 weeks early and then I was there another four days. Right. After that, because it was an emergency. And um, so I related to the the, um, NPO, nothing by mouth or whatever, Mm -hmm. which is like, and it was, you know, it was only four days. Right, right. It was only four days. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, I can only imagine. So like extrapolating from there, imagining how hard that must have been for her to just, you know, to smell the smells mm-hmm. and to, yeah. 
and oh, to drool. Yeah. Right? Because I don't think she could control her. Right. Oh, yeah. She can't swallow. Right. So the drool's got to go somewhere. And you know right. if you haven't eaten. And the rest oh. of your senses are still working. Like yes. your nose, like all of that is still going to make. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine. Gotta, it's yeah. going to be torturous. It had like, to be. Yeah. yeah. She talked about how angry it made her yeah, that walking down her. the hall in um, the hospital and there was a big piece of art that was all this <laughs> yes. uh, produce. <laughs> yes. All this produce. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> how offensive. Yes. There's Someone who can't eat. So right. funny. Yeah, I, I, I liked that she, I felt like she didn't miss much. Like she must be a really observant person. She picked up on everything. Like, I don't know that I would have seen that piece of fruit and went, are you fucking kidding me? But what, a, what an interesting perspective. I yeah. felt like mm-hmm. in reading her book, she's very self-aware of, or, or at least aware of how things are affecting her. You know, when mm-hmm. she was in her room uh-huh. hearing her family in the living room because she couldn't really get out of bed much and how that affected her. Just I seemed very I, I thought was very self-aware to be able yeah. to articulate it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. well, um, I felt like I understood how she was feeling. And I don't know if in that moment I would be able to articulate that as well as she did. Maybe in retrospect, maybe that's what it was for her as well. Yeah, but maybe. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I just thought of something else I wanted to talk about with her and now I've Okay. So how crazy was all the like the path of her getting the right surgeon and meeting the cousin who was the person who had the hookup at this at mm-hmm. was it Mount No Mount Sinai. Mount, Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai yeah. that was totally the opposite side of town, nowhere she ever would have explored, and how everything just laid out in front of you you know i've i've said like this all so, of the stars aligned to yes get her yeah. to where she needed to be like immediately yes to the right yeah. person at the right time that was a beautiful thing too mm-hmm. um to just see how the road rose to meet her yeah. you know when she asked for help from the universe for to her from god mm-hmm. that the road, road rose to meet her i yeah. thought that was a really cool thing to witness through this book yeah it to was really see cool. it was really cool because there's no reason why you know it was just a bunch of serendipitous great things that came together to get her to the right person um this was really cool yeah it's funny that you're saying that because i was thinking one of the things that i actually really uh enjoyed in the book which i did not think i was going to was the whole religious aspect of it yeah um it reminded me a lot of my childhood and I found it really comforting, which was really, you know, generally I'm like, oh, stop talking about God, like cut it out. I don't want to <laughs> hear about this, but I did not have that reaction. Mm. I thought it was, uh, I don't know. It was really, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. And super, I don't know, super calming and whatever. Like it was very interesting. I really did not anticipate that. I thought it would annoy me. Huh, I wonder why. But, yeah. Was it about her tone, you think? Was it about her not trying to get you to be a faithful person, but just saying this was the path that I took? It was such a comfort to her. Yeah, it was. Um, that, And you wanted her to be comforted because it was, I mean, just such a big, horrible thing happening to her and their family. Right. I also feel like for me, it, it, it I don't know, somehow that connected me a little bit. Hmm. It reminds like a lot of those scenarios are things that I experienced growing up. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like being that connected to clergy and being, 
you know, involved in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't thought about that in decades because I'm so not connected these days. Like we, I don't attend mass. I don't, you know, none of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I don't know. So it just reminded me of being younger and smaller and something peaceful and enjoyable with my family. Having a trusting community, probably, Mm -hmm. that wasn't your family. That was in some ways pure, you would like to think. At least it was pure in your experience of that religion. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It was, yeah, it was very weird. It sort of struck me a little bit because I was like, I don't know why this is the part that I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. Because generally, like I said, I don't. (laughs) I want to hear about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is yeah. really cool. Yeah. That's cool that you experienced that. I um I I thought it was great that she had a religion. It didn't move me like you're talking mm-hmm. about, but I thought it was really really powerful. I think it's powerful. So I'm a very faithful person, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't I'm not very religious. So I would imagine if if um if this happened to me, I would definitely be praying and talking to God and looking for signs, mm-hmm. but I don't have that resource of like a clergy, a nun, a, right. a priest, a, a, you know, I don't have that. So, yeah, it was a really cool part of the book. You're right. I yeah. agree. It was cool. Um, and she, they seem to have some really good friends in their community, yeah. which is great, too, uh, that stepped up. And her siblings and her parents. You yeah. Know, a lot of And support. the fact that they have that many siblings like yeah. that is a little mind-blowing. Yeah. How many, how many siblings did she have? I don't remember. Six? No. Oh, really? I think it was like 10. Oh, okay. I don't remember. It was I a lot. I don't remember either. It's a lot. And she's the oldest. Yeah. So she was the boss, which makes sense why she would be the boss of her house, right? <laughs> yeah, of yes. course. <laughs> right. I, I can definitely relate to that, to being the boss of the house. And it is hard, you know, to let things fall apart, mm-hmm. to, to just yeah. let things fall apart. Because ultimately, when they fall apart, nine times out of ten, mom is the person who has to put it back together. Or has to clean up the mess, mm-hmm. which then makes more work for mom as opposed to just doing it yourself and not right. letting the kids, you know, be the master of their own destiny, so to speak, in the household chore list or whatever it is. Sometimes I do that all the time. I just never mind. I'll just do it myself. Or, or I say, yeah. they have so much homework. Am yeah. I really going to pull them out to walk the garbage out? Yeah. yeah. No. I, but, you know, uh, I've been trying to learn from her and saying, you know what? is 10 minutes of their time. 10 minutes is not going to fuck up their homework. Take 10 minutes and do your chores and then go back. And then we've all contributed. I've been trying to do that more um, lately. Um, Hmm. So glad that she survived this and was able to write this book. I think anybody who is diagnosed with any kind of life-threatening journey like hers would probably have some comfort from her humor and from her, you know, tenacity and survival and asking. Yeah, because even though it's a really, I mean, it sounds like we're talking about really dark stuff. It's a very light book. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, it's not like, I mean, I I cried. <laughs> I did. did cry, but not like, it wasn't like a sobbing, yeah, you know, yeah. book. It was like, oh, wow, that's that's amazing. That was amazing that that worked out or um, whatever. But it it's it's funny and light. Yeah. Um, it is. It's she she approaches it with a lot of levity, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and it is a heavy subject. I mean, yeah, any kind of mass in your brain, I can't imagine. How terrifying. So you didn't ask the question, do you ever have any life-threatening anything like this? Mm-hmm. No. No. I had a scare once um, before we had kids. I had a lump in my breast. Um, it was caused by birth control, but I didn't know that. So when you get the call, we found a mass 
you need to come back. It's really scary. I actually had that experience when I was like 26. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Like a long time ago. But it was like I knew like I had a like a this tiny lump and it was, you know, just a random cyst or whatever. It was yeah. not a big deal. But those days where you're like, OK, I'm not entirely sure what this is. Mm-hmm. Everyone's saying it's not a big deal. It doesn't seem like it's a big deal. But yeah. But you don't know till the fat lady sings. Right. You don't right. know. So right. I remember the time between the phone call and the re the the next mammogram i had to have some other different type of more serious mammogram feeling floaty like i mm-hmm. felt like i wasn't in my body for a little bit where and and i was trying to you know i was calm i was not panicking but i remember feeling not in my body like just mm-hmm. not grounded maybe uh and i i was dating bert i called bert and told him and he was like okay okay and I think he had a very similar re- reaction. Like, we're not going to overreact. But this is not, you know, great. I'd much rather my mammogram just be like, you're good. It's not a fun phone call. I can't imagine having one that were really serious. It must be right. very hard. For I remember feeling like, not light, but like it was just a constant thought. Yeah. There, like almost like you could feel it when you're like, you can't really feel it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it was just not out of your head. Right. So if it's something really scary, I can't even imagine Yeah, trying to go through day to day. Right. And being told, hey, you know what? You can come back in in three weeks. Like how terrible yeah. would that be? Like yeah. her first appointment was yeah. a month later. Yeah, forget it. And how many people, the whole time I was reading this, yes. I do the same thing as I go, how many people don't have the resources she had? Not that she had any like financial tie resources. Yeah. This is a family member who was. It was random dumb luck it almost. Was, it was exactly that. Yeah. It was almost random dumb luck who got her into the right people. But how many people don't have that? Yeah. Like if she mm-hmm. hadn't had that, where would this have ended up? Even though the tumor was benign, it was definitely doing some damage. Right. To, it, it sounded like it was really complicated because the yeah. first brain surgery they described she described her tumor as like a buttery croissant that was like <laughs> flaky and needed to be like extracted in different yeah, pieces piece piece. Yeah. instead of just like cutting the whole thing out. And so they had to go in and do a, a subsequent surgery for that because um, she woke up from the first surgery and she was like, I'm here. I'm me. I'm everything's great. And they were like, actually, we didn't do what we set out to do. Right. <laughs> and, right. Um, you have to come back. Yeah. yeah so to have like uh, the complexity of that. And, yeah. And not just any surgeon. Yeah. I mean, she had found what the head of neurosurgery just yeah. through a connection of a family member. Right. So I've I thought of that a lot is how many people have these things and don't have a resource like that. And hers was not about being wealthy or white or privileged in any way, shape or form. Yeah. It was about a family member having a uh, having been at that hospital. Right. And knowing someone at the hospital from mm-hmm. their family members long stay. Just one of those crazy things where it was just kind of meant to be the road rose to meet her. And how many families don't have that experience? It's really a shame. It's the same in education where kids don't have good advocates at home for things they need in education. It's heartbreaking to hear people who don't have that same kind of good luck. Right. You know, but good for her. Yeah. Yeah, Right. It's awesome. I mean, because. Yeah, I think the outcome would have been very different if she didn't have that, you know? Oh, totally. Like, because it sounds like waiting three weeks would not have been an okay option. It did. Yeah, it did sound that way. That's, 
Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Right. What's that? What else is in your uh, notes? Oh. The um, excellent lab partner we have. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the nerd. Um, oh, so much. Oh, one thing I thought about um, our mountain climbing experience, our rock climbing experience, when you realized that you were a sprinter. And there was a quote in there that said, even though I had lived my whole life sprinting, now I had to take the attitude of a long distance mm-hmm. runner uh-huh. um, in her recovery and how that just imagining so it's like your nature is to be a sprinter her nature is to be a sprinter she's yeah. like and then like to have to re calibrate yourself yeah to because right. she just couldn't be a sprinter at this stage in her life she has to get over recover and recovery is a marathon right. and um i thought that was just a really powerful idea because it you could say that about like any other kind of personality trait or right. yeah <laughs> hi Bert yeah Bert's back Bert's back he's lost his coffee <laughs> I don't see he his walked coffee out with it, actually. yeah yeah he I thought it. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> not shocking he loses everything all the time but anyway yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a very interesting concept I don't think I think I would be very angry throughout the entire yeah. recovery process I would be so frustrated at not yeah. being able to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. So yeah. I get frustrated like when I get a bad cold, like the kind where you can't yeah. really get off the couch. Yeah. I'm just mad the yeah, whole time because yeah. I can't do what I want to do. Yeah. You take that for granted, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just health in general. I mean, we like yes. we do we take it for granted. Yeah. Um which you know you should and you should go about your days and but at the same time it is good to have a little reminder of like right. oh yeah some gratitude is in order right. or just this. get a checkup you know, less than seven years apart Uh-oh. just saying <laughs> <laughs> okay notes please <laughs> what else in your notes what else what else uh, what else what else um Oh, I loved this. She said, having to relearn the same lessons you thought you'd already mastered in life is humbling. And um, that was that was about the, you know, like being the alpha controller and realizing, oh, my family's figuring it out. They're learning important lessons, too. I that's that's the gift in this. Right. But that to have to relearn that because she she does go back and say, you know, I wish I could tell you that I was magically like a better person after this Mm -hmm. experience. And she's like, but I'm you know, I am who I am. I'm yeah. like, she's, she's the go-getter and the, the, the manager and the runner and the, you know, and, um, I thought that was, I thought that was very profound because it's so true. I don't know if you guys feel that, but I, I feel like it, you know, the same lessons circle back that I'm like, wait a minute. I, I figured that out when I was in my twenties. <laughs> I read books about it. I went to therapy. I did the thing. And then you're like, Oh shit. Like, Damn it. Yeah. 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 I feel that way too. Yeah. And it is really honest. I like the honesty of her book. Yes. Of mm-hmm. the parts of the book where she maybe was not super graceful or kind yes. or or um considerate or she what who would be in these circumstances? But a lot of people would write a book as if they were. Yeah. And I right. appreciated that. Yeah. I appreciated that she said I was angry. Yeah. And I was pissed at Jim, and this yeah. is why. And I was like, I could totally see that. Bert would be so mad at me for the same reason if I were caretaking him. And it doesn't make rational sense. Yeah, right. But I understand it, and I I really appreciated her honesty and just letting it, her warts and all, hang out, yeah. so to speak, in her reviewing of her 
process in this whole big dilemma. That was really cool. I think that inspires us all to be more honest with who we are, right? Because our warts are part of what make us beautiful, really, at the end of the day. So, yeah, I like that part of the book, too, that I went away going, she wasn't nice and pretty in the whole thing. And yeah, that's very human yeah. and relatable. I like that. Mm-hmm. What else is on your list? What else? <laughs> Thank list. you for doing all this homework. List. I know, right? Um, okay. Where are we? Oh, she also she said, without my suffering, it would have been impossible to achieve this higher level of joy, the happiness that they're finding as she's recovering and being home with her children again. And, um, you know, it's it's so true. Like it's, you know, you want to like just get to the happy parts of life and sort of like do everything that you can to stamp out any possibility of disruption or sadness or anger or any of those things. But it's so true that the suffering does help you um, experience the joy at a more profound level. Because before she was saying things like about our kids, oh, this was something I really related to to as well. Um, She said, I felt like I was missing my life. I used to complain about waking up under a pile of kids. Now all I wanted was a pile of kids. Lately, I'd I'd spent so much time as a mother thinking if I could just get away from the kids for a little little while, I could finally get some things done. Now I was forced to be away from them and my heart was broken. I got so caught up in scheduling and running everything uh, everywhere, trying to be a perfect mother and thinking I'm doing all this for the kids that I actually became overwhelmed and busy to the point that I actually wasn't doing much for the kids at all. I'd been focusing on things I felt needed to be accomplished for them while I was missing important opportunities to really connect with them. And uh, she says, God, I'm sorry, please let me survive this. I can change. And then, and then later she's like, I wish I could tell you, know, much later in the book, I wish I could tell you I changed. And I haven't. I'm still me. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to get back there. But I I liked that honesty. I really related to that. I feel like a lot of the time I'm so busy doing things for my family that I'm not actually spending time with my family or experiencing my family. It's just a lot of running around and frustration and you do this, you go there. And um, yeah. Do you feel that way, Kathy? Yeah. Oh, I do. Too. I do. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I feel like so much of the day is like, all right, I got to do this and do that and get them here and get them there and whatever. And then like, you know, three days goes by and I'm like, how's your day? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you miss stuff like that Mm -hmm. sometimes. So yeah, I definitely find that very relatable. And it's like, does it matter? Like, so what if we're 10 minutes late? Like, who cares? Like if we're in the middle of something, like that's, that's the part that you need to hold on to. That's the part that's far more valid than get in rehearsal on time or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? Like I do. I feel that way too. But it's hard to remember that in the moment. Yes, it is. I feel like I'm constantly, (laughs) we got to get there. We got to be there. We got to do this. We got to do that. And yeah, but do we got to do it? Right. Or do we not have to do it? Should we just take a minute? Right. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, I find that a hard balance. So it is a hard balance. I think, uh, I, I, that, that exact passage struck me the same way where I went, how much time am I doing for them instead of doing with them? Right. So I'd rather be doing with them, but how do you get the stuff done? You have to do for them. Like somebody's got to cook dinner. Yeah. Do I eat out every night to spend time with my kids? I don't know. It's hard to balance. Yes. Mm -hmm. We do. The one good thing we do have is that dad's not home. 
you know, seven days a week. He's home a couple nights a week. So at least one night a week, we all kind of stop and do something together. Even if it's watch my big fat gypsy American wedding, then we're all together discussing what's going on and having a moment like that. And when my dad comes to town, when my in-laws come to town, we kind of stop and play games and do things that we just don't do on a regular basis because we're all in our own kind of like hamster wheel of life, especially now that kids are older. I feel like Georgia has an entire agenda that has nothing to do with my household. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, check, please. She's gone at every opportunity. Much. Yeah. Yes. yes. Welcome to teenagerhood. Yes. Like, yes. parents are not an entity at all, <laughs> yeah. except a vehicle to provide money and transportation. <laughs> That's right. You're an air firm that drives. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. <laughs> so this weekend, my dad was here. And we went to Palm Springs for the weekend. And uh, I said to Bert last night, Bert came home. My dad left yesterday and Bert came home last night. And I said, I think that's the way to go. Because when my dad comes, Georgia still says, can I go? Can I go to here? Can I go to here? Can I go to there? And then my dad, understandably, is bummed because He's flown 3,000 miles to spend five or six days here, and all she wants to do is be a teenager, which she has every right to feel. It's a really hard thing to balance. But when I removed her from that option, she spent so much time with my dad. I mean, they spent so much time. And Isla, too, same thing. Isla is, I think, more social than Georgia, just not... There's not as much going on in her age as there is in Georgia's age. But she would, you know, we, we would have spent the weekend having to sleepovers when I can't do that. You should be with Papa Jay. So I said to Bert, I think when he comes again in the spring, we're going to go somewhere. Even if we just leave Friday night, come back Sunday morning and he's idea. here for eight or 10 days. Right. We're just going to extract ourselves from this community for his sake because they had a blast we played so much Parcheesi. <laughs> and, you know, I asked them to par- play Parcheesi with me, and they're like, I don't want to play Parcheesi. Yeah. <laughs> Papa Jay comes to town, and the trash talking starts flying. And the Parcheesi, <laughs> it's all about who can send who back the most. And they, I mean, they have so much fun, and they won't play like that with me. So, and they won't play like that with him if there's something else to do. That's funny. I think, you know what? You're so right. We had the, you know, we go apple picking every year. Yeah. Which is a big endeavor in California because there really are not apple orchards. No. So it I is. really know. <laughs> but we have been going since the children literally, Lily took her first steps in an apple orchard. Aww. So we have been going every flipping year. And this year, my kids are like, really? And I was like, we're going. I don't care because <laughs> I know you are trying to get out and you're going to be out in a heartbeat. So we're going anyway. And they had a blast. Yeah. Like they were removed from here. It's a two hour drive there. It's a two hour drive back. You know, yeah. it's not an easy thing. It's an all day adventure. And they had a great time. But it's because they were kidnapped. They had no option. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. couldn't go anywhere else. They couldn't do anything else. Yes. But I think that... I think that matters. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like so this too. is a part of our family. This is what we do. Yeah. Every year. This is, you know, and I don't care that you're too old for it. We're doing it anyway. Well, it's <laughs> moral not just of the that. story, kidnap your kids. <laughs> moral of the story, yes. yes. <laughs> well, I think really the moral of the story is to set things up to remind them. Yeah. This is your family. Like your friends are your family too. 
They are. Yeah. And they have and they a are valid, very important. 100%. Yes. Valid, legitimate place in your life absolutely should be a focus. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, we're just going to reel it in. And we went with another family. And the four kids in that family are completely different. Completely different <laughs> phases. Um, one's super into social media. The other one's, you know, they're just in completely different places. And the four of them had more fun than I'd seen them have together here in this town in I don't even remember how long because they were removed from, mm-hmm. oh, I'd rather be at so-and-so's house because I hang out with so-and-so now. Or, oh, I have homework. I'd rather be doing my homework. All that was gone. And those four knuckleheads had so much fun together. And I thought, isn't that great also to remember? And they all had so much fun with my dad. My dad's so good with kids, even though they're not kids technically. Yeah. He just is real good with them. So it was nice to remember that. I mean, you know, thanks, Jeannie, for that conversation. Right. Because that really is I, very valuable to realize mm-hmm. not to let the minutiae be what your kids remember right the hamster wheel yeah because it'll still be there on monday absolutely you know (laughs) but they'll remember apple picking forever yeah yeah we used to go to palm springs every summer Mm -hmm. they they told remember that year that we got the root beer floats by the pool and they were terrible they melted i mean they have all these memories and as much as we go do we really go back there i mean i'm so tired of that resort (laughs) you know my kids missed it this year they're like i can't Mm -hmm. believe we didn't go it's the first year we hadn't gone in years. Yeah. And I'm like, there's like band-aids floating in the pool. <laughs> Why are we going to this ship so place <laughs> every year? But it's about that tradition, right? Yeah. About this is the way our family works. We yeah. decorate our front yard for Halloween like crazy people every year. And our kids are like rubbing their hands together. When do we get to do it? When do we get to do it? Every year, because that's what they'll remember. And trick-or-treating from my house, which yeah. is great. You know, trick-or-treating is so funny because it's the one night where the moms drink in our group, right? Yeah. Yeah. And our kids are like, oh, you know what happens on Halloween? Mom's getting drunk on Halloween. It's the one night my kids think I drink. The whole year is it's Halloween. Another tradition. See? We're spending quality time with our kids walking up down the street with booze in a backpack screaming at each other because we're all hammered. It's one of my favorite nights, actually. Anyway, I really enjoyed this book. Yeah, I, it's it's an easy read. read it was very easy read. To read. Yeah, yeah. It was very conversationally written. I felt. Yeah, I, I felt like I just breezed through it. I read it yeah. very quickly, and I got a lot out of it. Yeah. Did you guys get a lot yeah, out? Of it? A good reminder. Yeah, I think you need that, or I need that. Mm-hmm. You know, in general. I, so, I obviously yeah. got a lot of out of it because I have two pages. Of <laughs> well, keep quotations. reading. Keep reading. We don't have to stop. Uh, I don't know. Uh, remember that people are more important than, than accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, you know, in the same vein as what we were talking about is like accomplishing, you know, getting stuff done, getting it done, getting it done. And, um, I was confronted with that last night when I yelled at one of my children because, um, this child did not turn in an assignment that she had been granted an extension on and she knew the, and it was done and it was completed. Mm. In fact, it was completed before she was granted the extension. And then 
she knew that the last chance, the very last chance to turn it in was yesterday and did not turn it in. And I screamed. I thought I was going to lose my voice. I, I don't generally yell at my kids, Yeah, but I was incredulous. And I, when I was going over my notes this morning, I was like, <laughs> Maybe the person is more important than the accomplishment. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But you but know, maybe not. But also, <laughs> but also, like in the balance of things, it's like again in balance. I'm like, how am I going to teach? Yeah, them yeah. to be productive yeah. <laughs> members of society. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, sometimes the yelling mm. is necessary. I think really. Sometimes, I mean, not to let them abusively. know that mom yeah. is serious. This, this is, yeah. yeah. You've crossed the yeah. line here. Yeah. I can't imagine you walk around yelling at your kids all the time. So when you actually do yell, no, although, it should have some weight. It has do you know what? One of them, anything. though, a couple weeks ago said, you've spent your entire life screaming at me. <laughs> and... I was so hurt and I mean I was just beside myself. I felt like mildly suicidal. And when I told Richard about it, he was like, Oh, that's ridiculous. It's just not true. And then I told my mom about it and she laughed as hard as you're laughing now. She couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> she said your entire life. Yeah. And yeah, my mom like could not stop laughing right? and like she's like, drama. Oh, that's hilarious. And <laughs> I said, I didn't think it was very hilarious. Like it really hurt my feelings. I thought, my God, is this what she's taken away from her childhood? No, like, it's not. Um it's no, no it's, it's what not the teenagers take away right now. Yes. Is. It's that's her, exactly yes. what it is. Right. You yelled it's at me three not. times in my life, and <laughs> that <laughs> constitutes my yes. entire childhood. Exactly. Right. Right. Your yes. entire no no. Yeah. Your, Your entire, entire life. life. You started yelling at her before she was even born, apparently. Your entire life has been dedicated to screaming yeah. at her. Well, I've been accused of the same. And it's just laughable what they, yeah. you know, this is the worst day of my life. They just live in hyperbole yeah. entirely. Oh, well, my teenager um, screamed the other day over the weekend. She said, you're terrible parents to both of us because we were on the same page about something. Um, and the the something that we were on the same page about was that she wants to take the day after Halloween off of school. Um, and we said, no. Um, it also related to the grades. You know, it was like, okay, no in general, but also like if you're going to make such a request, you kind of have to be like really kicking ass in the grades department. Um, and then she said, well, you know, we're going to be staying out until 2 a.m. And I was like, whoa, actually, no. <laughs> no, you're, you're not, right? You're not. Nobody's trick-or-treating until 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I get angry if our doorbell's ringing after 9 o'clock. Like, right? <laughs> she going to a rave? <laughs> What's she doing? Exactly. She was irate and she said, you're the two most controlling people oh, I've ever my, met. Oh, my God. You should have high-fived Richard and you done. We yeah. did it. Yes. Most controlling ever. <laughs> Definitely Hitler was not controlling. Oh my God. Definitely it, Donald Trump oh. is not controlling. I am worse. That's really I get that funny. all the time about bedtime with my older one. The bedtime is like oh. such a battle. How You're you? the only parent oh. who makes me go to bed. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, because I'm your parent. <laughs> I'm like, I'm cool with that, actually. Yeah. I'm fine with yeah, being yeah. the only parent who makes you, you go to bed. You like, can I'm, tell him. Leanne does the same yeah. thing. So I'm not the only one. I'm like, yeah, I, so does Kirsten. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I feel like it doesn't. Yeah. Well, you want to hear a really funny story? Uh-huh. Someone who's a regular on this podcast called me the other day because she went to a parenting series at her daughter's middle school who told her that children should have a bedtime, and she thought that was insane. <laughs> she was like, are you serious? They're supposed to, do your kids have a bedtime? And I was like, yeah, since birth, they've uh, had a bedtime. Still, yeah. Yeah. 15-year-old still yeah. has a bedtime. We still Sorry. have a bedtime. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same, same. She was like, yeah, they say it's like a real healthy boundary. And I went, yeah, it is. <laughs> no wonder you're having trouble with your kids. And, you know, I just can't figure out this social media thing with them. And I said, well, why don't you make them leave their phones downstairs? And she was like, well, because they use them for an alarm clock. I went, yeah, they don't make those anymore, do they? They don't make just a standard <laughs> alarm clock. Do they have an Alexa in their room that they can say, hey, Alexa, set an alarm for 6 a.m.? Oh. Oh, she's doing it. Ah. Oh, sorry, oh, no. Alexa. <laughs> Stop listening in on our conversation. Cancel the alarm. <laughs> nope. Rats. Somebody's waking up at 6 a.m. I, I know, right? Know. Maybe I'll send it to her house. <laughs> right. But yeah, she literally, I like through the phone could see the light bulb. Oh, I guess they could leave their phone downstairs if they used Alexa for there. I was like, yeah, they use, they want to listen to music on their phone. Alexa. Right. They don't need their phone. Sorry, Alexa. Alexa. Cancel 6 a.m. alarm for tomorrow. 6 a.m. alarm canceled. Nice. There you go. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm shocked that anybody doesn't understand that a kid needs a, a, a bedtime. Right. I need a bedtime. I'm not I have yeah. shocked by this conversation. No, I'm not particularly shocked by the person either, but but I was a little bit. A little, just a teeny bit, like just a head shaker. Like, oh my God, seriously. Right. Wow. Like one of those. Yeah. I'll tell you who after. Like, wow. have you never read any parenting? I don't think so, no. Yeah. I don't anyway. think so. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to know anyway. you've been yelling at your child for your entire, <laughs> for your entire life. life. Uh, <laughs> mine says person. to me, all you do is yell. <laughs> and I go, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm a passionate talker. Are you maybe <laughs> misinterpreting yeah. that as yelling? You know, we've talked right. about that before, though, that it's like what they hear. Because when yes. I got accused. Their interpretation is very yeah, different. The day that I got accused of screaming nonstop, I was I was not screaming. I was not yelling. I was speaking in a firm, serious tone of voice. Yeah. Because I was not happy. Yeah. This person was mm-hmm. being very disrespectful to her parent. Yeah. Um, but. I, I was speaking like that, and that was construed as screaming at her <laughs> for her entire life. <laughs> I know. I said to my kids, you want me to show you how screaming looks? Because yeah. I'll scream at you if you want me to. You've actually mm-hmm. seen me scream. Yeah. And this is not it. This is not it. Maybe you don't remember. Maybe you've blocked it out from yeah. the trauma of the one yeah. time I've screamed at you for all life. Mm. I don't know. Kids are so funny. But what else from the book? Mm. What else, else from the book? What else from the book? Um, oh, I loved this. Um, when a tragedy occurs, it's an awkward time for friends and acquaintances. We don't know if we should call or visit and what the appropriate behavior is. And she talked about the people who came, remembering the people who came and then the people who didn't come. And I was like, oh, I'm the person who doesn't come. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel you don't like. Be intrusive. No, yeah. exactly. And um, oh, it's just, it's, that is, I feel the life struggle. I, I feel yeah. like that is one of the hardest things in the world to know when you're supposed to show up. At- and even the friend that showed up for for Jim, who didn't want anybody in the waiting room yeah. while she was going through the surgery and yeah. the comic who just showed up and sat with him all day. Yeah. And how great that was 
for Jim who didn't want anybody. Yeah. It's true. We we need people. We need people. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I'm the same way, too. Yeah. I probably wouldn't, unless it was one of you, I would probably just push through with one of you and showed up with something and said, let me help you. But anybody outside my immediate circle, I wouldn't just show up because you... People process things differently. Some people really do want to be by themselves. Um, I would say I want to be by myself and not really and internally totally not want anybody there. But if someone came, I think I would be so happy. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Because I don't want anybody to be burdened. But if someone showed up, it would make me really happy. And I wonder if a lot of people would feel that way. And some things are very private. Yeah. You know, especially when it comes to medical stuff. Yeah. Like it's gross and it's, you know, like there's a lot of like embarrassment that happens with that stuff. So it is awkward to know whether you're supposed to show up or not. It is. It's very vulnerable and exposed. And yeah. I mean, you're half naked half the time. Oh, yeah. You've got a catheter or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not. So, yeah. Well, for the record, if I have cancer, you can come to my, you can come see me. <laughs> I don't care if you see my, my, my hoo-ha. What, what about <laughs> I if need you my have, friends. Okay, but cancer, like, it's like, but that's a perfect example. It's like, okay, well, if you have cancer, but then what about, what if you have, um, I don't know, what's like a minor but embarrassing thing? Like, what if you scabies. have like an Scabies? Ant- if you have yeah. scabies, I'm not coming. It's contagious. <laughs> What if you have? Um, <laughs> I've been there, done that. <laughs> uh, that's not embarrassing, though. Like, would be embarrassing. Like, I don't know um, when you have to have your vajayjay redone because you're peeing your pants all the time. <laughs> I would want you to come see me then, anyway, because my vajayjay would have been. I would be in pain. You wouldn't need to change my catheter or anything, but you come sit with me and talk okay. about. All right. Remember that old Vijay? <laughs> <laughs> that girl's gone. <laughs> Everything's much nicer now. The one I used to wear on my, uh, as a hat. Yes, right? exactly. Is that what you used to say? Yes. <laughs> yes. The hat's much smaller now. I don't know if it'll fit. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. I don't know if there's any medical condition. I At this age, I don't know if there's any medical condition I would be embarrassed to have somebody come. I mean, everybody's different, but... What part of my body? I'm not embarrassed by any part of my body. Not even like my asshole. Like if something, if somebody had asshole surgery, you wouldn't have to see it unless they propped me like ass up in the air, but it had to air out for a couple of days. Then don't come. <laughs> Sorry, we're in the airing out period. <laughs> the a-hole Eye contact air. only. Eye contact only. Eyes are up here. Eyes are up here. That's right. That's right. That's the only thing I can think of maybe. Okay, but think about it. What if you ended up, for some reason, having a tracheotomy? It's uh-huh. not attractive. There is stuff that leaks out on occasion or whatever that doesn't necessarily <laughs> smell good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. medical stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, she easy. talked about that. So, so it was like there was like, the drooling, but also she had right. the, there was the, the G- drooling. <laughs> she had the the G tube too, yeah, or the yeah. um, oh yeah, you know, and and there were all sorts of mishaps with that yeah. where it's leaking and exploding <laughs> right. um shot the right. tube or, across right. the exactly. when room she or like whatever. sneezed or coughed or yeah. whatever like in your <laughs> popped out yeah like that can be potentially very embarrassing throwing up every 30 minutes yeah oh i did that in childbirth every 10 minutes i threw yeah. up <laughs> in front of a room full of people uh, childbirth is different though i think you get a pass no matter what happens but why don't you get a pass for other medical yeah, problems yeah i think i don't know I think I would get a, I would give a pass to anybody for anything. Absolutely. Hey, I well, changed I my grandma's diaper. But I feel if I could change I don't my know grandma's that I diaper. I would want 
like I would give a pass to anyone else, but I don't know that I would want people necessarily to see that. See, I figured that about you. You know? I figured that about you. Like, You're one of those people. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would, in all honesty, I thought Kathy would not want someone there under any circumstances. There, there were some circumstances you wouldn't want anybody there. Um, yeah. I, don't, I can't think of anything that I wouldn't, that would bother me. Anything would bother you? Wouldn't want anybody there? Well, I mean. Besides the asshole surgery so, we discussed. <laughs> I, I'm, you know that I'm like kind of a private person. Yeah. And so, um. When um, the day that Vivian ended up being born, a bunch of my girlfriends were coming in to at, to uh, sit with me for like the first time. It was like hang out with me um, mm-hmm. while I was on bed rest. Well, unbeknownst to all of them, um, Vivian was born um, early, and um, so I had just um, <laughs> I just had a baby <laughs> and got wheeled back into the room and then they all came, they had, they were waiting in the waiting room they're like where is she where's her room and they're like oh she's in surgery and they're like what like what's happening um so they ended up coming and spending the day with me but it, i had it was an emergency c-section and um so they gave me a shot of morphine before oh. it because they didn't have a chance for the um for an epidural to kick in and um so when they all came to see me, I was high on morphine, un- oh. unknown. I didn't know what was happening. I mean, it right. was it was all so fast, whatever. And so I was like, I remember saying to them, you know, they were like, how are you doing? Because I had this baby that was 10 weeks early and that was, you know, up on another floor who, you know, I spotted at birth, but like I hadn't seen since then. Um and they were like, how are you doing? And I was like, you know, I think emotionally, I'm really handling this well. <laughs> <laughs> Drugs help a lot. <laughs> totally. And then like the next day, I was crying and crying and crying and um, saying to Richard, I was like, you know, I was doing so well yesterday. And he's like, yeah, yesterday you were on morphine. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody does well on yeah. morphine. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but it was, I mean, it was amazing to have them there. I wouldn't have, that wouldn't have been my choice um, if I was making the plan, but I am so glad that they were there that day. It was really great because it was really, I mean, it was really stressful. It really helped keep my mind off of the fact that, wait a minute, I have a baby who's on another floor. I don't know how she's doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Right. Um, so, yeah, in retrospect, I think I would tell all of my friends to ignore whatever I tell them. <laughs> if I end up in the hospital, I right, will probably say, no, anyway. no, don't come. Don't trouble yourself. Because I'd be thinking through, oh, it's expensive to park at the hospital. It's yeah. a pain. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's such an inconvenience uh-huh. and whatever. And I like to process it. I'm private and I like to process things by myself. But really, I think I would, it would be better to have people to there. To have people yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking about when I had Georgia and I had a difficult delivery. And when people were coming to see me, I was nasty. I was not nice. And I was not on morphine. (laughs) I was like, get the fuck out. That was my entire attitude. Get the fuck out. Everything from the waist down has just exploded. And my head is killing me. And I don't want anybody in here. I didn't even want... I mean, I wanted Bert in there, but I I didn't want anybody in there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe with all my pontificating right now about wanting people in there, <laughs> maybe that's really not how I would react. Because in all honesty, I was an asshole right after I had her. I did not want anybody talking to me. And you know what was happening was that I felt 
<clears throat> so out of control with uh. my body because I was in such bad shape. Um, not bad shape like Jeannie Gaffigan, but like the the spinal, the headache was so intense that I couldn't care for anybody else. Mm. So if anybody shows up, you have to be courteous and nice and thank mm-hmm. you for coming. And I couldn't do yeah. that. And that was making me embarrassed and angry. Mm. So I just didn't want anybody to come because I couldn't, I couldn't be yeah, appropriate. You, yeah, you right. didn't have the bandwidth for anybody else. You and, were, you had to yeah. heal and process. Yeah. And that headache, I've never experienced pain like that oh. ever. I can't describe it. It was so excruciating that I just couldn't, I couldn't process the world. So I imagine if I were in a similar state, I'd probably act the same way. As much as I think that I'd want to have people there, I'd probably, you know, start throwing things. Get the fuck out! <laughs> I don't want you here! I don't you see I'm suffering? I don't know. I don't know. You never know till yeah, you're in you the situation, know. Yeah. right? Yeah. I did not handle that gracefully. I can say that. I don't feel I handled it gracefully. So. But you get a pass. Oh, I got a pass big time. That birth was ridiculous. So. But, you know, the second time when I had no problems, I, everything was really gracious and nice. But I wasn't in any pain, you know, after Isla. That's yeah, fine. that's just the right. thing is that pain um, is and, and whether it's like actual like physical pain or like the pain of not being able to swallow and eat and, mm-hmm. you know, any pain is just another level like it is. It's really hard. And you never know how you are going to react through real pain, like real pain. Yeah. Um, it's hard to know. Yeah. So I really like that Jeannie kind of laid it all out and seemed pretty honest. I mean, obviously, yeah. we weren't there. We don't know if she left big, huge, you know, temper tantrums or whatever out. But <laughs> right. the way she portrayed herself seemed pretty real. Yeah. She yeah. said she was a difficult patient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I appreciated hearing that. Yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Absolutely. Anything else you'd like to say about the book? It's an easy read. It's, it's definitely read. a good reminder. It's a good reminder. I, I feel like everyone should, you know, again, everyone can take something away from this book. I think so. Know? I think you're right. And I think anybody who's going through any kind of health trauma or even members of their family, you know, because I think a lot mm-hmm. of times she's uh-huh. right. People don't know what to do. Yeah. Maybe a good perspective, give you a good perspective. Yeah, she really broke it down about what the different members of her family um, did for her and how they were each helpful in their own ways. Like the one brother who was a real intellectual who really stimulated her intellectually mm-hmm. and that that was part of her that was, you know, atrophying almost yeah. like laying in bed and that, you know, the one brother massaged her feet and then, you know, people brought different gifts like not necessarily tangible gifts but like um that really helped in her recovery and I think that was that was very gracious of her to acknowledge all of the caregivers because that's a a really hard position to be in yeah um Mm -hmm. and because you I mean the caregiver feels powerless too and then you have to do all of this busy work but really ultimately she's lying in a hospital bed and she's at the mercy of the neurologist and all sorts of things that you can't do for her. So, um, yeah, I think it would be really good for to read from a caregiving perspective too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good but, book. And yeah. parenting wise, there are a lot of, there were a lot of gems. Like when she talked about, um, one of her little daughters having the revelation that, um, 
one of her daughters uh, really wanted this play kitchen mm-hmm. and she kept saying, oh yeah, we're going to make room for it. That's a great idea. And she was totally on board. She had it in her Amazon cart, but they just couldn't figure out where to put it in the apartment. And by the time they figured it out, she realized her daughter had outgrown play kitchens. Mm-hmm. And um, that I just think from a parenting standpoint, that is that could go in so many different directions Absolutely. that I think we can all relate to that in some way of like somehow missing the boat with something. Um so yeah, as a parent, as a non-parent, as a caregiver, as somebody who's going through a medical crisis or has been through a medical crisis, um, I would recommend it. I would too. I agree. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> so again, when life gives you pears, Jeannie Gafkin. So pick it up. Pick up a copy, audiobook, digital, whatever. <laughs> but um, Bert and I podcasted with her about the book. And that episode is on the Burtcast also. So I don't know what episode it will be of the Burtcast, but I'm sure you can just search by Jeannie Gafkin and listen to that as well. So thanks for reading awesome. this book. Thanks for reading all yeah. these books. I appreciate it. Thanks for the recommendation. Um, yeah, and uh, for discussing and all your copious notes. <laughs> I know, right? Thank you for that. <laughs> I took notes and I can't find my notes. Um, I, I need an office. So I, I don't have an office. My office is kind of wherever I stick something. And then now it's getting lost. So I apologize for not being more prepared. I was prepared. But then time went by and the preparation went with the wind. <laughs> but I really did enjoy the book. You could actually say the dog ate it. The dog ate it. Yes, <laughs> right? my dog no, ate my notes. Yes, my dog. You know, the notes were in this book. <laughs> they were just stuck right in the back. And look, look what happened. Just ripped them all to sheds. Yep, dog ate my homework. See, there you go. Thank you, Kathy, for pulling me out of that one. Welcome. All right, till next time. You got a brand new I think that we should get together.